0: I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you, love you. Much. Most illogical. I thought. Well, that was different. Yep,
1: rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, salt vampires, chickens, and things to episode <laughs> 44 of the, the Trek podcast. I'm Jarmin.
0: And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, German?
1: They are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star
0: Trek, the original series. And this week we have The Muppet Show with special guest Cloris Leachman and the original series episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. Woohoo! The classic. (laughs) Before we get into that, Jarman, do we have any feedback this week?
1: We do a little bit of fun feedback. Um, Responding to our Don Knotts Wolf in the Fold slash Sandwich Day episode with Lou Gaudio from Robots vs. Dinosaurs podcast, uh, Muppet Profiles on Twitter said, We watched the Don Knotts episode a few days ago. Lullaby of Birdland is one of our favorite Muppet Show moments. Which is funny because they you don't have that on Disney Plus, which is great. But
0: right, that's, oh, wah, wah. yeah. But I'm
1: glad Muppet Profiles you're able to find somewhere to watch that within its entirety. That is good. So, but thanks for a little shout out there, guys. We yeah, appreciate yeah, thank it. thank You. <laughs> so, Steve, tell us about the guest star this week. a uh, Cloris
0: Leachman. Well, she's an American comedy icon who just recently passed in, yeah. in January. With 22 Emmy nominations, she is the most nominated person in Emmy history. I didn't know that. And her and Julia Louise Dreyfus are tied for most Emmy wins at eight. Wow. That's crazy. She won Best Supporting Actress uh, the Oscar in 1971 for The Last Picture Show. And after that, she got hooked into the Mel Brooks gang of ensemble players and was in a bunch of his movies.
1: I forgot about that. That's true.
0: What does our audience know her from? Well, she stayed really relevant through the majority of her career. But what I know and love her from are movies like Beer Fest, Young Frankenstein, and Spanglish. Hmm. This, this week on The Muppet Show, on stage, Kermit comes out to introduce Chloris, is ambushed and replaced by a frog, uh, by a pig. <laughs> Gosh, darn it. Kermit the pig continues the introduction as normal. Piggy gets mad and then realizes that she's going to be the star of the show. And then we get That's Entertainment, a Broadway style show just brimming with pigs. <laughs> Kermit the pig introduces Chloris, who accuses him of not being Kermit the frog until he rivets and wins her over. We then get a lovely performance from Chloris where she's doing, shows off her vocal range performing a compilation of opera music, which ends in uh, stout hearted pigs as she is joined by Mountie pigs. Afterwards, we get introduced to Fozzie Pig, and Statler and Waldorf actually like the change. Mm-hmm. Following this, we get the Swedish Pig who uses the classic blunderbuss to make popcorn. After this, is Vet- Vegetarian's Hospital. <laughs> With all pig doctors and nurses who are treating fruits and vegetables. And it is filled with all the puns that you would expect. All the puns. The Muppets news flashes a pig anchor. This is real weird. It's a weird story about Bunsen honey pig who has changed a pig's ear into a purse. But Vincent Van Gogh pig is really mad about it.
1: (laughs) Because it's probably his ear. (sighs)
0: <sighs> Next is pigs in space. The swine trek is under attack from some alien thing. Link is preoccupied with the spot on his uniform. The thing attacks the ship. Turns out to be chopped liver, and has a very stereotypical new like northeastern Jewish accent. <laughs> it's very odd. Kermit the Frog ra- uh, races out on stage, introduces Cloris's closing ask, act. Stranded on a desert island with Sweetums, she fears she's going to be eaten. And they perform a nice little song, Just in Time. And uh, I think his name is Bear Lion. Dog Lion. Something joins them. The other big, big scary puppet. Oh, yeah. Brazil knows his name. Dog Lion. I think it's Dog Lion. <laughs> uh, backstage this week, Ker- uh, Kermit and Fozzie are locked in the boiler room by pigs. Uh, Gonzo gets thrown in with them uh, and brings a spoon. They try to dig their way out. And then Scooter comes and reveals that someone had a, a hog calling contest next door. Yeah. Next door. Kermit races on stage to thank Cloris uh, for, for, for closing out the show and for guesting. And she reveals that she is the one that called the hog calling contest. Sue. So, she hog calls. <laughs> and that is what we call the Muppet show. Indeed. John, what did you think of this week's episode of the Muppet show with Cloris Leachman?
1: Uh It's funny. Cause I, I, It was very uh, backstage story heavy this time around, which feeds into the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you actually get a lot – very little of Cloris Leachman and her performances uh, pretty quickly. Uh, She has like three numbers, and that's pretty much it. And the majority of it is all about the pig's takeover, which I loved, so I didn't mind. (laughs) So it was very unique and different. And they must have made a a lot of new puppets for this that they probably didn't get to use very much again after this. Um, So that was very entertaining. Um, oh, yeah, Cloris Leachman didn't have a too many funny moments, which I think she's a very funny person. So that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I didn't know she could sing that well,
0: though. So that's pretty cool. Uh, it was really, really impressive to watch her flex, especially that uh, the opera ensemble thing.
1: Yeah. And I looked up I online. Was and it's like I thought, is that really her voice or is that a voiceover? And I looked up and it's like apparently she was a classically trained singer and her first Broadway job she got. Like, um immediately her first thing she auditioned for was she got because her voice was so good and she got in the musical in Broadway. So I didn't I had no idea. She doesn't get to sing very much. So that's pretty cool. Um so overall, like it could have been a little better if they integrated her better into the episode and had more comedy for her, but otherwise it was so funny with the pigs doing all this, it was crazy that even down to the vet the, the vegetarians hospital, the announcer was different. And you could tell that a pig had taken over the announcer position for that. I was oh, like, yeah. That was so cool. So good little details like that were pretty fun.
0: Uh, I agree. I think Cloris connected well for the time she was. Right. With the Muppets. Um, I loved how much she got to flex. But you're right. She didn't have a ton of big numbers. That being said, the numbers she were in, she was in were substantial. And they were fun. Yeah. The operetta thing was like five or six songs back to back. The island thing at the end was a really long piece. That's true. Um but you're right, she didn't really get to flex the funny bone.
1: Maybe she wanna try other things that she doesn't normally get to do, so I guess that's I, I that.
0: think that this is the best backstage plot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> that we have seen up to this point in the Muppet Show.
1: It's like a real adventure happening, basically, you know, like completely separate from the guest.
0: That's right. And equipped with a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Uh music this week. Mm-hmm. That's entertainment by Schwartz and Dietz from the 1953 MGM film, the bandwagon featuring Fred Astaire. It was written more than 20 years earlier for Broadway and starred a younger Fred Astaire. Oh, who, who debuted it on Broadway. Uh, the opera medley, my hero from Sh- uh, Oscar Strauss and from the opera the chocolate soldier <laughs> about a Swiss mercenary who seduces a bunch of women and then turns out to be a traitor of some sort. My life story. That's right. <laughs> ah, ah, sweet mystery of life by young and Herbert. This is used as a reoccurring gag in young Frankenstein, which also has Cloris Leachman in it.
1: That's where I heard it from. I knew that song, that part of it. Oh, sweet mystery of life. I finally found you. (laughs) Uh,
0: Serenade by Sigmund Romberg. The story of a prince who goes to college to sow all the oats and then ends up falling in love. Don't you know it? (laughs) Stout hearted men from the operetta The New Moon, a French revolutionary, escapes to 1792's New Orleans, falls in love with a girl, gets arrested and sent back to France. Forms a mutiny and then takes over an island. Where do they find these? And then after the French Revolution, he's forced to renounce his royal title. (laughs) There were so many Broadway musicals that none of us have any idea about.
1: Oh, yeah. Bunch of fillers, you know.
0: Uh, just in time for the musical, "The Bells Are Ringing" by Comden, Green, and Stein. It was on Broadway in the mid nineteen fifties. It's about a woman named Ella who works for an answering service until she falls in love with one of her clients, and everything changes. <laughs> All these these musical and operettas and stuff that were on Broadway, like we eh, had no idea. Nope. Jern, what do you think was the best muppeteering moment this week?
1: Uh, I kind of cheated, but just I was so surprised and delighted by the pig versions of the other Muppets. So especially Kermit and Fozzie, I was just like, that's amazing. They had to make that just for this episode, and it was just so and the guy, I don't know if it was the same person playing the pig Kermit, but he did a great impression of Kermit going
0: Whoa! <laughs> at the end of every thing. I think so, it's Dave goals. I think it's the guy who normally does gonzo. Oh, Kermit.
1: gotcha. And then just like the, the fozzy moment was costume was great. And it was yeah, just it's like,
0: like all of them doing their impressions of each other.
1: Yeah. Which would have been so much fun backstage for them. I'm sure. So that was just, those are a lot of fun. So that's my favorite uh, kind in of, in movie.
0: the same vein, uh, I really dug that as well. And I'm going to give it specifically to the Swedish pig. Oh yes. Cause that was my favorite version of all of those.
1: Yeah. I was because surprised the, to see it. <laughs>
0: the pig takes that was the one I liked the most. <laughs> that
1: was pretty good. So, Jordan,
0: don't, don't tell us about this week's episode of, of uh, Star Trek, the original series. Oh, well, of what course. Watch?
1: We watched The Trouble with Tribbles. Go figure, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, The Trouble with Tribbles, we have the Enterprise en route to the deep space station K7 after receiving a priority one distress signal. And they arrive and find they were summoned by Undersecretary Nils Barris. Weird names throughout this whole episode who abused the use of the priority one signal just so he could get protection for his shipment of Quadro grain. I said that right. I think uh, Kirk is not too pleased with this because uh, he thinks it's an abuse of using the you know the S- signal one. But he's very annoyed with Barris from the get go. And that goes on throughout the episode. But since the undersecretary outranks Kirk technically, uh, he's obliged to provide the protection for this grain before it gets to the colony it's going to. So, Kirk, while he's there, he's like, well, I'll let the crew take shore leave in the station while they're here. But at the same time, a group of Klingons also take shore leave there, and they're citing the Organic Organian Treaty that we heard about in episodes past uh, that says they are allowed to take shore leave at a place as long as they don't destroy anything. Uh, and they're led by this charismatic Captain Koloth, who is the same actor we saw play mm-hmm. Trelane not too long ago. And – an interstellar trader named Cyrano Jones, which is a great name, is there hawking his wares at the station's bar, including selling a furry little creature that he calls a Tribble. And they're super cute and cuddly, and they coo and make cute noises. And Uhura there is there, and she's immediately taken by them. Um, and when you know, the bartender sees how much Uhura is into this Tribble. He's like, ooh, I could make some money off this. So he decides to buy a bunch of them from Cyrano Jones. So Ahura takes the triple back to the ship where it very quickly reproduces like crazy, but the crew loves them, and even Spock is taken with them, which is a really funny, cute moment. But when they're around Klingons in the bar in the station, they yell and freak out, they're like the only people they don't seem to like. So another fun scene, while we're on the station bar, Scotty and Chekov, another Enterprise crew, are drinking and having, you know, relaxing and the Klingons start causing trouble by insulting Captain Kirk to the crew, and then eventually insulting the Enterprise itself, which is too much for Scotty to take. So he gets That's a, when he breaks. That's when he breaks, and he gets into a fight. It's a real fun, funny moment. Big long bar brawl. Um but that forces Kirk to reprimand them and cancel the shore leave. And under-Sary- Undersecretary Barris is now very wary of the Klingons being there because they're causing trouble, and he's really worried about his Quadratricocale grain when getting out to its colony. And He thinks Cyrano Jones is actually a Klingon agent just causing unrest and trouble for this shipment. But meanwhile, in the Enterprise, Bones and Spock are concerned about the rapidly reproducing tribbles and how they might be in danger of consuming all of the food on board the ship. And that makes Kirk suddenly realize that maybe the Grain is in trouble back in the station because the triple's eating it all, so he runs back to the station and goes to the grain stores, but he finds out he's too late because he opens the bin and all thousands of triples fall onto him, and they've eaten all of the grain. So Spock and Bones discover while they're there that that many of the triples who just ate that grain are already dead and that more are dying, and that maybe the grain was poisoned. So Undersecretary Barris is furious about this. He thinks Kirk is to blame because he didn't take this seriously, protecting the grain. And meanwhile, Koloth is also insisting Kirk apologize for his crew being so rude to the Klingons while they're there. But just then, Barris' assistant walks in and the Tribbles (laughs) go crazy and they're freaked out by him. And this makes Bones and Kirk very suspicious. So Bones scans the assistant, Arne Darvin, that's his crazy name, and finds out that he is in fact a Klingon disguised as a human. And eventually he admits that he's the one who poisoned the grain. So... To wrap things up, Cyrano Jones is then charged by the crew to clean up all the tribbles from the station, which Spock calculates will take 17.9 years. And he either does that or he goes to, to prison for transporting dangerous creatures. And before the Klingons depart from the station, the Enterprise crew, without Kirk knowing, transports all the remaining tribbles from the ship onto the Klingon ship, causing, I'm sure, further chaos. And we'll find out what that happen- what happens with that later on in Star Trek, but it's, it's in Canon and it's pretty exciting. Wow. So, uh, Steven, what'd you think about this episode?
0: So things I really, I liked, I liked that it was kind of a gentler episode Mm -hmm. in some ways than we're used to. Uh, that being said, the bar fight scene is probably the best done fight scene in Trek so far. Yeah, I could see that.
1: Very there a lot of moving
0: parts. You had the comedic guy in the middle moving around. It was just very well choreographed, very well done, I think.
1: And Scotty insists on doing his own stunts for that, by the way. So that was actually him the whole time. Uh,
0: I like that we got to show that Kirk does have experience and like is like really good commander because when he goes and is like, who started the fight? And no one rats anyone out. You can see that he knows it was Scotty. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of tell. Because – Cause he's the senior officer of that group. And so no one's going to rat him out. So just by no one saying anything, he knew. <laughs> and I just, I like that. And
1: that's a loyal crew um, too.
0: And I'd like that it had a more clever ending than usual. Hmm. Klingon secret agent tribbles being the problem, but ultimately being what saves everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they ate all the poison grain or whatever. Like that's, that's genius, and I think very well put together from a storyline and an arc point of view. That's true. Things I disliked. When did Chekhov become both stupid and a racist? <laughs> they really pay, played up the, like, man, he's really an impudent young pup this episode, and we just haven't gotten that before.
1: It was weird. Well, they also gave him a ton of lines because... um a lot of those lines were going to be, well, the ones that weren't about Russia in particular, were going to be given to Sulu. But he was off filming, uh, I think it was The Guns of Navarone or some, one of those movies. Some weird some movie. where he had to play a Japanese soldier. And so he was gone for a lot of season two. And they're like, well, shit, we got to give this to somebody. So they give the lines a check off and they add all these tons of Russian puns and crap. And I was like, "So it's like, it's yeah, was like, it was a little it much. It was
0: weird. <laughs> um, every time we saw Cyrano Jones, I just looked at him and I said, I wish you were mud. <laughs> this would have been such a good Harry Mud episode.
1: I could see that. Oh my god! Somehow he gets in the station.
0: <laughs> um, this felt maybe a little close to Friday's Child, which we just watched not that long ago, which had pretty much the same premise. Like the Klingons and the Federation are vying for something.
1: Oh, that's what the the big people who are like,
0: yeah, the big people with the with the weird death boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So this felt maybe just a little close in the season to that from a thematic point of view, but that's, that's not really that's true. a bad thing. Um, And I guess my question to you is, why do the Tribbles seem to have an almost magical hold on some people and none on others?
1: That's true. It's kind of like uh, that's not really explained very well.
0: And I wish they would have just done the normal shtick, which is the, their old go-to, which is everyone's affected but Spock.
1: Or sometimes everyone but Kirk, like even Spock is affected by some episodes. They don't explain it. But for some reason, Kirk's able to escape the the thralls. Yeah,
0: can withhold it. So I just maybe wish they had dipped a little bit more into that. But even that's not a huge detriment.
1: Yeah. So kind of like a upper echelon episode here, then.
0: I would say this is, yeah, this probably goes like top four, five, six sort of range. I I, I would totally agree. There are many, many worse episodes in this one.
1: Yes. And this is pretty darn good and very solid script, like you said. So it works out pretty well. Um, well, yeah, we got some trivia for this, baby. Hope you're ready. Buckle in. <laughs> Obviously, there was a lot
0: of buckling in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So people really delved in depth deep in this episode because it's a it's a crowd favorite. Um, it's on the top 100 list for like the top episodes of, of Star Trek of all time. Um, so. Fun thing to create uh, the one triple moving on its own on several different scenes. The prop supervisor bought a battery powered toy dog and stripped it down to the mechanical works and once recovered with fur, including the toy legs, the prop uh, moved on camera along the railing on the enterprise bridge without wires or external assistance. Uh, but the toy was so noisy that all the dialogue in the scene had to be looped with ADR, which was pretty funny. <laughs> 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 um the scene in which Kirk is buried in an avalanche of tribbles, which is very famous, lots of memes out there for mm-hmm. it, uh, took eight takes to get right. Um, the tribbles were thrown into the hatch by members of the production crew from above. The crew members were not sure when to stop because they were not they were unable to see the scene. <laughs> this is why additional tribbles keep falling on Kirk one by one. <laughs> and William Shatter can be seen looking perplexed as to why more tribbles keep falling on him. Uh, the noise the triples make was a combination of dove coos, screech owl cries, and air escaping from balloons, which is kind of makes sense when you think about it. I can see that. Yeah. Um, when Dr. McCoy figures out that the triples are in a perpetual state of being pregnant, this marks one of the very first instances in American television of the use of that word pregnant. Um, ironically, Desilu Productions, the original company behind Star Trek, was forbidden from using that word during the I Love Lucy episode. Lucy is enciente. So the word expecting was used instead. Hmm. It's like the first time in television that word pregnant was used. Crazy. Um, you know, I
0: got away with it because it was about furry little balls.
1: Exactly. And uh, he even said bisexual, too. He said that in they the episode did. as well. They did. <laughs> That's crazy. And no one b- b- better than I. Um, according it's to because David-
0: they had the doctor say it,
1: yeah, exactly. It's very medical. Uh, David Gerald one of the producers and writers of Star Trek, said that tr- after this episode, tribbles were found around the set for the rest of the show. Like they couldn't stop getting rid of them. Like they just were hidden places because there were so. They did 500 actual prop tribbles for Whoa. this episode. Um, uh, the pile of tribbles near the end that the Kirk is in was actually created by gluing triple props around a large wire frame. Which is why William Shatner stood in the middle to give the illusion of mass numbers when really there's only 500 triples total made. This is obvious. We look at all how right. the triples are piled up and none of them landed on the floor at Spock's feet, which is kind of funny. So this is a fun one. Um, in David Gerald's book, he writes a whole book called The Trouble with Triples, kind of like all about the production of this episode. Um, apparently, originally Cyrano Jones was going to be an unscrupulous traitor. Um, who kind of knew what he was doing. He was less bumbly, and it was going to be played by Boris Karloff, which has been pretty darn cool.
0: <laughs> wow. Frankenstein himself.
1: Frankenstein's monster, excuse me. Mm. And Koloth was so well-liked from this episode that he returns 27 years later in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, Blood Oath. So we have that to look forward to. Um, and uh, we also have the consequences of Scotty transporting the triples onto the Klingon ship. Uh, they go on far... Past this episode because eventually they become an ecological menace, to the entire Klingon society, and they consider them mortal enemies of the Klingon Empire. Um, So they actually go down to even exterminating to them so much that they go to the triple planet and destroy the entire planet.
0: Holy crap.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, uh, tribbles are now mortal enemies of the Klingon Empire after this
0: episode. So it's pretty funny. (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah, it's good times. I would watch that movie. Oh, I would too. Yeah, absolutely. There's them fighting Tribbles. <laughs> so uh, I think we have some Trek connections now. Oh, damn, do we? Both Cloris and William Shatner appeared on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, relatively recently, a segment about planning for retirement and avoiding hippo attacks. Oh, I think I saw that. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, there was a show in the late 50s to early 60s called 77 Sunset Strip. There was an episode called 88 Bars, which featured not only Cloris Leachman, but also DeForest Kelly, Josh McCoy, and Grace Lee Whitney, who plays Human Rand in season one until she was sexually harassed and run out. Very cool. A connection I have uh,
1: that apparently this episode was loosely based off a short story called Pigs is Pigs by uh-huh. Ellis Parker Butler, oh. which compu- directly relates to the episode of Muppet Show we just watched, which is pretty oh crazy. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, what, what you got?
0: Uh, Also, uh, as usual, Cloris Leachman was on three episodes of The Love Boat. Mm. And as we've discussed before, many, many, many people that were in Star Trek and many, many fellow Muppet Show guest stars were also on The Love Boat.
1: So much so that we now have a button for it. We have a
0: Love Boat button because it comes up so often. This is nuts.
1: Wait, so you said Cloris Leachman was on Love Boat and with who?
0: Uh, three episodes. Oh, three episodes. three episodes.
1: Which everyone uh, else was.
0: Where I don't need, I don't even need to name the names because it just comes like so many guest stars on Star Trek ended up on Love Boat. <laughs> so you so just many say guest she was stars I'm on Love Boat. <laughs> Love Boat is like the common thread. Yep, pretty much. Which means that after we're done with all of these shows, we'll have to go through and review the Love Boat.
1: Of course, that just goes without
0: saying. We'll be one of three podcasts that has done such a thing. <laughs> Are there any similarities? These were kind of the same episode.
1: Oh, very much so.
0: Both feature invasions, tribbles and pigs.
1: Just like you can't eat the tribbles because they're too cute. Leachman couldn't eat the veggies because they were too cute in the very beginning of the episode.
0: Uh, both both have agents in disguise, the fake Klingon, and then Kermit the pig.
1: Uh, that was my second one. <laughs> oh, you bastard. <laughs> well, what else you got?
0: Both feature a female becoming infatuated with the said invasion, Uh Uh ur with the Tribbles, and Miss Piggy with the pigs because she gets to be the star. You are
1: so right. That is very true. That's right. Yeah, that's very true. Weird.
0: Oh, what is that (gasps) noise?
1: Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right, it's a part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa. So,
0: what you got for us, Steve? Well, Treks to Muppet this week, I've got Cyrano Jones coming over and replacing Fozzie Pig, simply schmoozing the audience and trying to sell things.
1: He <laughs> can do that very well. Uh, I have uh, Kermit transferring over to be Undersecretary Barris. Because <laughs> I think he'd be okay. really good at being overwhelmed and stressed and trying to get everything to work <laughs> and hold together.
0: <laughs> Muppets to Trek, I've got the pigs replacing the Tribbles. Cause I just think it would be fine to have more and more puppet pigs all over the place, <laughs> and, but it would make the ending really dark when they opened a, a, a head compartment and like 500 puppet dead pigs fell out.
1: Yeah. Like fully <laughs> sentient puppet,
0: <laughs> just all murdered, oh, just God. poisoned to death pigs,
1: just vomit everywhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: so I think it would change it. It changed the feel a bit. A little
1: tone difference there. I had the triples, ironically, transferring over to take the place of all the pigs on the Muppet show. Uh, <laughs> and the fun okay. part is they'd wear all the outfits of the Muppets they're trying to pretend to be, but they would just be sitting there cooing. It's and, like the and Swedish
0: triple, and it would just be a huge triple with a Swedish chef hat on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I can get that. down with that. Yeah. So uh,
1: that brings us to the end of episode 44 of the Muppet Trek podcast.
0: Join us next time for The Muppet Show with special guest Bob Hope.
1: And original series episode, The Gamesters of Triskelion.
0: So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us.
1: Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet
0: Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Oh,